You're listening to Good Poetry, the podcast about exactly that. My name is Andrew Coons. I'm really excited for this conversation today because joining me is one of my very best friends, Heidi Kitt. She is a poet from the Chicago area. Uh, She has a strong following on Instagram uh, with a lot of amazing work up there. And she just recently self-published her very first collection of poetry. It's called Something Like Gravity. Heidi, hi. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. It's about time. I know, right? We've been trying to make this happen for a while now, and sickness and schedules have gotten in the way, uh, but here we are. Um, I want to start just... You and I know each other very well, and so like I know your whole story as far as like your poetry journey and whatnot, but for those who are new to your work, uh, can you give us just a little bit of background as to why you started writing poetry, what the journey to this first book looked like? Sure. Um, I guess I think I would start with before I could even write or read, I started um, writing on a typewriter. I was completely obsessed with the sound that the keys made. And I felt so free, like you would think I was playing a piano in like a professional orchestra because I was just like composing something, you know, just really going at it. Um, So when people ask me where I started writing, I have to start there because everything I was writing was real. Like Mm. in my mind, I mean, it looked like symbols and characters, but in my mind it was real. I was really thinking through it. So that's kind of when I started writing. And then about uh, four and a half years ago, Um, I was taking this walk and I had this really beautiful thought come to my head and I remember thinking, wow, that's really beautiful. Um, but because I didn't have time to like sit and write it into a long poem, I was just going to kind of let it go. And I thought, why don't I just take the time to write down this one thought, you know, why don't I ever do that? And I didn't honor my words. So it was that day when I just thought, you know what, I think I'm going to honor these thoughts and honor these words. And I kind of made a commitment to myself at that time to just start writing it down. And I did a little voice note on my phone. And that's kind of when I started the page because I thought, you know, Instagram is this just little one box picture. Right. And why wouldn't I just put the thought there, you know, and honor that thought and honor that, um, poem or whatever it was, that line. So that's when I started. Um, and then the book, the book started later and it started kind of before I even realized it, I would just, I was in a place where, um, I had met somebody who was just really awakening me in, multi-dimensional way, you know, heart, soul, my talents, you know, my thoughts, everything was just kind of like growing and expanding. Yeah. And, um, and I did little projects to honor that, but I thought, you know what, I really want to put this together and really honor this experience, not even the person, but I wanted to honor the experience because it was just so beautiful you know, and, um, that's how it started. And 
I fumbled through it and I was kind of like putting things together, but I was really passionate about it until that relationship ended Mm. until that friendship kind of came to a close. And when that happened, I really like revisited the book. It changed massively. I changed massively and I needed to make it a story Yeah, in order to be able to like open and close it and see it as the beautiful thing it was, I needed to make it a story. And so that is how something like gravity came about. <laughs> yeah, no. The, so the full title is something like gravity, a poetic evolution from unrequited to unconditional love. Yeah. Um, and that idea of a poetic evolution, um, as I was reading the book, um, you, you mentioned you made it a story. And that was pr- probably the thing that stuck out to me the most the first time I read it, which was this doesn't feel like a poetry book. Like it's all yeah. poems. There's not like essays or short stories in there. But the way you structured it, like there's no table of contents with a list of every poem. It's broken into chapters. Mm -hmm. Um, and those chapters are very tight in their themes and in the way they flow from one to the other. And it does take you on a journey from this place of, you know, excitement for new love and kind of all that longing and yearning that goes into that Mm -hmm. through, you know, the heartbreak and then the empowerment that comes from having gone through that. Um, can you talk just a little bit about the journey you wanted to take people on in this book and yeah, you know, how much of it was autobiographical versus, you know, you taking artistic license with, with your own story. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think as I was writing it, it was very individual pieces, but what I really wanted was it to tell the story. Like I really wanted it to tell the story, like you said. And so I spent (laughs) a ridiculous amount of time, you know, with the organization of it. And it probably reads more fluidly than the journey actually was because Mm. there was so much up and down, so much up and down, (laughs) so much like drama. And it wasn't actually drama. It was just inside myself. You know what I mean? It was just the the drama I was going through inside myself. And that's what I wrote out, even though the drama didn't actually act out. It just was so much um, turmoil. It was just bringing up ancient pain, you know, ancient bruises and issues that had been there long before this. um, I don't want to call it a relationship, but this experience happened. You know what I mean? Um, So, yeah, I mean, I I think I just really wanted it to be something that wasn't just for me. And um, I wanted it to be something that anyone could pick up and read. And they could either think, wow, this is beautiful or go, oh, my gosh, I've lived this. And that has been my experience so far with the people who have read it and come back to me, they've gone, oh, my God, I know exactly what this is about. Yeah. I, I had this, you know, and um, that's that's the thing I like really love about it, because if I can take my vulnerability, I can take my experience. Like if I can take my pain and put it into a story where I go, look, here's how I summed it up. You know, here's here's how here's where it climax here's where it dropped here's where my heart broke um then 
I can go, look, here's how I healed. And here's the work that I did to bring me to this point where I can look back at it and just be like, wow, this was so beautiful. And I'm so grateful and honored to have taken this journey and look back at it that way instead of how we often look back at things that end Mm. as like, what was the point? You know what I mean? Right. So, yeah, I think um, I think that's really clear in it. You kind of read the excitement and then you read kind of the inner struggle. It wasn't like an actual struggle, but it was like an inner struggle of just like, how do I let this in? Mm-hmm. How do I trust this? How do I see it for what it is? Because the unrequited to the unconditional, it's like it's such a different um, such there's two such ridiculously separate things and yet we sum them both up in the word love yeah um so you can have this really crazy unhealthy experience with someone and call it love or you can have this amazing transcendent life-changing experience and call it love and that was the divide um that i was experiencing i was experiencing unrequited love I was experiencing this like why doesn't it look how I want it to look or why doesn't it you know check these boxes of what I've seen love to be or what I've experienced of love um and so when it felt like something beautiful it was confusing when it wasn't jealous and when it wasn't possessive and when it wasn't controlling and it wasn't anything I could kind of dig my teeth into I was just like, I don't understand this. And I was just fighting it and like just throwing, just throwing fireballs. Like I don't, this feels like an attack on my heart almost. And then, um, the process of like actually letting it in didn't happen until it was over. Mm. But, um, that is where the closure comes from is when you go, oh my gosh, that was real, you know? And oh my gosh, that was love. Well, and, and so often so in that's the, in the journey. The, yeah. And so often in the messiness of life, you know, there's elements of both to a lot of relationships that, Absolutely. you know, you yeah. get, you know, you get some of the unhealthy aspects along with the life changing parts. And part of the growth, I think, in love and in relationships is, is finding a better balance there. Um, yeah, for um, sure. I yeah. think that's what it is, is when, when real love comes, it's an undoing. And so a lot of unhealthy things come up, but it's because it's unpeeling you. It's undoing you. It's making your walls fall down. You know what I mean? And so often the ugliest parts of us come up. And so it is going to look, when it's like real, it's going to look real unhealthy at times (laughs) (laughs) because it's undoing us. Yeah. I would love to hear one of the poems from the book before we go any farther. Okay. I have selected some. (laughs) This is from the hope floating chapter. So this is kind of like, this is kind of once I've realized, wow, this is an experience and this is changing me and I let it become something transcendent. I wasn't needing it to be something it wasn't anymore. You are sunlight when you smile. Sunlight Radiant whispers of fire gracing my senses, blinding me to anything but light. God of heat, 
making deals with the wind to blow on me, sending ships of hair across my face, causing blossoms from your friends, the trees, to float between you and I. So that for split seconds, the impact of your brightness is shadowed. And in the very instant that I miss you, you return, reminding me that love never really leaves, but sometimes is in the shadows. Illusions of separation, testing our faith, strengthening our hope, stretching us toward each other. Like we were meant to be forever in a dance of unity and division, like flickering fire, ever moving from two to one, and sometimes throwing embers, leaving traces of our burning, so the world learns, so the planets witness, so the skies see, so the stars remember. They too are scattered pieces of a single enormous ball of light. Who is your bride? Who is your twin? Who is your other? And that she also is a son, and that she and I both belong to your smile. It's a beautiful, beautiful piece. And I think it takes on a new life when you realize that, you know, where it comes in this story, you know, Mm -hmm. after a lot of pain. Um, Yeah. What's interesting to me is that it's written in a way that standing on its own, you might assume that this is talking about new love, about, Mm -hmm. you know, all these, all these grand analogies and, you know, blowing on me, sending ships of hair across my face. Like it's, it's, it's conjuring like classical romantic images. Yeah. Um, (laughs) and yet this is after there's been heartbreak. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, what's really fascinating to me. Yeah. So I think earlier in the book, it all has a very spacey theme. Um, there's a lot of, um, uh, sky analogies and things like that in it. And earlier in the book, during sort of the falling in love process, it was um, more focused on the moon. Mm. And I think it's interesting how, and that just happened naturally. It was just like the moon has always been such a romantic figure for me. And it was just like this shadowy, um, you know, kind of indescript uh, love experience. And Then it's like after that experience of like letting it in and when I really let the love in, that person sort of dissolved into the figure of love for Mm. me. And it was like because that person was the one who taught me what love really is, unconditional love, you know. And so at that point, it was like by then it was like this person had – become a figure of love and so it's not him that I'm romanticizing it's it's what love is you know what I mean and so at this point in the book and, and he becomes and like an this avatar poem, for that. yeah yeah exactly so at this point in the book um I am writing a lot more about the sun and about how you know that that moon that I fell in love with was just a reflection mm. of love you know that that moon, that person that I fell in love with was just a reflection of what was already in my own heart. And so that's kind of what this is. It's like, you know, the, that that poem is sort of this romanticization of like all these like different figures, um, you know, as stars and going like, 
what if once that was all just one piece, you know, and it was the object of the affection and what if the moon is a piece of that that's light went out and the sun shining on it is just trying to remind it what it once was you know and that we're just pieces of it yeah. like our love experience is just a piece is just a reflection of the love that the sun has for the moon and for the stars and so yeah that's what that is <laughs> i had a chance to read um a much earlier version of this book, maybe mm-hmm. a couple years ago. And I remember, and, and it's very different from where it ended up in the final A lot stages. of the same content, but a very different book. Yep, mm-hmm. and, I, and I remember there being, and there is some of this still in something like Gravity, but I remember there being a lot more emphasis on analogies based around bees, honey, sweetness, all of that mm-hmm. type of stuff. Lot, lots of honey-based imagery. Um, mm-hmm. Like I said, there's some of that still in something like Gravity, but a lot of right. it did shift to stars, the moon, the sun. Mm-hmm. Was that just a byproduct of having continued to go through that journey of, yeah. of falling in and out of love and whatnot? Or was there were there other things involved there? It was for sure that I think... I think what it was is like honey and bees and all of that is very um, earthbound, you know, Mm, and it was like that was more like the experience that I was having during it. And then um, space is just sort of like it's almost as if you can imagine me just like going, hmm, I need to take a step back from this and look at it a little more clearly. And then I just had to keep taking steps back and like... (laughs) Until all of a sudden you're floating. (laughs) Till all of a sudden I am no longer on earth. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, that's what that was. (laughs) And so that's where, you know, it went from being kind of earthbound and very like sticky and sweet and, um, you know maybe more romanticized, I would say, to being a very, like, um, clear picture where I had to back up so far, I I could see the purpose of it, you know? Well, and definitely more sensual. And I think there's, as is with a lot of, you know, poetry written in the throes of, of, emotion and, and early love, like, I think a lot of the early book is very sensual, um, you know, but as it as it changes, there's there's still a, a central aspect to the later chapters, but it does become much more like that that farther perspective. Big. Um, yeah. To some degree. I mean, I don't say mature in a way that, that implies that the sensuality was immature, but just mm-hmm. it, mature in the way of having a more fuller understanding. So much more broad. Yeah. yeah. I'd love to hear another poem. Okay, so this is on page um, 232. Things have changed and I'm still spinning, not like I used to tornado rage, but gracefully embracing the twirl like a dance. I used to wake up and reach for my phone to search for his name, to find out if it was morning, to find out if it was good, if we were good, to find out if he was thinking about me and me being good kind of hung on that. Now, when I wake up, I reach for my breath for the or the corners of my mouth reach for my eyes, my fingertips reach for the sun, my toes for the moon, and my chakras reach for alignment. Now I'm always good because I hang on me. 
I used to wonder how anyone could love me when my own parents didn't. Now I know my lovability isn't conditional and that my mother and father love me the very best way they know how. I climbed to the top of what they offered and built a skyscraping monument to my own heart. Their foundation was just the boost I needed to bridge the gap between my true mother and father, earth and sky, matter and space. I live embraced between them. I am fully supported in love. I used to drink three cups of coffee. Now I drink one and two cups of herbal tea. My skin is glowing. I used to run. Now I meditate. I used to smolder. Now I burn. I used to hide. Now I shine. I used to smother, choke out my own heart, beat it into submission, silence its voice the way white Republican men want to silence women and words from brown lips. He didn't break my heart. I did. Every time I let him overlook me, every time he said someday instead of now and I stayed, every time I ran, every time I came back, I broke my own heart each time I loved him instead of myself. Each time I neglected the fact that love should never make me choose between anything and me. Now I choose me every single time and if love wants me, it will have to choose me too. Things have changed and I'm still spinning, not like my old hurricane spirals, more gracefully embracing the twirl like a dance. I used to wait for him. Now I dance. So one of the things that is evident in the work that you post on your Instagram um, and is also evident in this poem, I think, is this idea of self-empowerment and mm -hmm. self-worth. Um, mm -hmm. I'm curious to get your thoughts on that from the per so I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate here just a little sure. bit. Sure. Um, because I think that this poem is is almost a masterclass on <laughs> understanding your own self worth. <laughs> but I but you know the 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 argument the classic argument to a poem like that might be and you know well, it's narcissistic or you're just thinking about yourself too much or, right. you know, oh, you think so highly of yourself to describe right. yourself in such a way. Um, give give me your, your rebuttal to that. Okay, so I would say that my voice changed in this way during this process. Um, everything that I wrote on my Instagram um, – previous to the process of this book was very much unrequited love. Yeah. And it was my voice. Like anybody who met me, it's like, oh, this is your thing. Like you do this and you do this well. I was very like one trick pony though. And as it appeals a to a lot of people who are going through similar things. Yeah, similar absolutely. And um, I think that's what, I think this process really changed my voice. And now I associate my voice with more of this, um, this self-empowerment and this self-love. And I think I, I haven't had a lot of negative, um, feedback, like kind of what you're saying, like, what's your rebuttal? I haven't had a lot of that, but I've also been kind of careful where 
I share it. Um, so this isn't what I would write on my personal Facebook page because <laughs> that would happen there. Sure. For sure. Not that I can't use that to teach, but that would happen there. So I want to talk about myself in these terms, like on a regular daily basis and normal conversations. Um, however, I would talk about other people in these terms. You know what I mean? Like when, like if you came to me with a bad day, I'm going to be like, what do you mean? You're this, you're that, you know, you're amazing. You're divine. Like, let's talk about, and, and so I very much talk to others that way, but I'm not like, I'm amazing. You know, like (laughs) that's not my normal daily conversation. Well, and yet there is an argument to be made. I'm going to take the other side of my own argument here. There's an argument to be made of why couldn't you talk about that yourself Mm -hmm. that way to some degree? I mean, like if your worth is that and you're, and Mm -hmm. you are, there is the spark of the divine in you and whatnot. Like Mm -hmm. what is it that stops us from walking around and still with humility being like, no, I am, you know, you know, made by the universe or made by God or however you want to view that. And that makes me, that makes me something special. I think it's because for me, like in my writing and what's in the book and how I talk to my friends and how I talk to other people who would approach me. And the reason I talk to them that way is because I understand now how important the internal voice is and that we shift this because like what, what makes it better (laughs) to walk around talking about yourself? Like you're just like a big pile of shit all the time, you know, (laughs) like, why is that better? Like, how how is that somehow more holy? Because at the end of the day, all that really does is just beat yourself down, you know? And so I think it was through the accepting and through the letting in of the experience and letting in of the love And really like looking at the person that I was loving so much and going that the flaws are there, you know, there's, there's definite downfalls, you know, to this person, but they were the same in the same way as me. Like we had like our, our, you know, quote unquote weaknesses and things like that were such similar things, you know, and that, and it was like looking at them in him through the eyes of love. I'm just like, how would this be a condition to me? Love, Like there's nothing that could change. And to this day, there is nothing that could change the fact that I love that person and I will always love that person and their happiness and their, um, fulfillment of their destiny and their life like is so important to me not in an active way but I extend so much love and those things even in an ending and you can imagine I mean things never end well you know what I mean (laughs) even in an ending I can just see how much it was like nothing gets in the way of me loving this person and so when you can love someone unconditionally, especially when they're mirroring back the worst parts of you, you just start thinking like, what's the problem with me then? Mm. You know? And so from my complete open hearted experience of loving someone so completely made me realize I could love myself that way. And it made me realize that when other people failed to love me, it was because 
their conditioning or their life experience or their trust experience or, you know, the way that the I hurt them or whatever affected them in a way that they let conditions come in the way of loving me. Not because I wasn't lovable, but because the conditions that they put between, you know, between themselves and love just looked like the things <laughs> that I was displaying. And so that really open hearted experience of loving someone fully helped me really like see that that love, the, the love that is so beautiful that it would rather love than see anything in the way of it mm-hmm. was coming from my heart, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and I'm like, holy shit, I'm beautiful. I'm divine. Like, look how I love. Look, look at the, look at the beautiful art that I'm producing in the midst of pain, you know? And so that's it. It's, it's just, for me, it's all about changing that internal voice to be something so deprecating that none of us are brought into this world with that voice. We learn it from other places. So it's about unpeeling those things that we learn um, from other places and replacing it with an on purpose voice. And that on purpose voice told me, no, you are lovable. You are divine. You are amazing. And it's in the practicing of love and the practicing of that self love that it becomes real. And so that was what that was about. Yeah. And so much of art is, um, a pulling out of that internal voice and, and putting it on display for the world. And so like, you know, this is where I think artists get misunderstood sometimes as far as like being narcissistic or something like that. And that's the extreme example, but, Oh, look how much you think of yourself. Look how much you're talking about this, that I'm like, well, I mean, you know, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's like, Mm -hmm. you know, if that's the way you are inside, then in in a, in a way that is, that is earned because you went on this journey and it's not just, Oh, I'm just full of myself. No, it's, it's you, like you said, you went on a journey where you, you found your own self-worth. Yeah. And this is truly how, not only how I love myself, but it's how I love others. This is just my voice. You know what I mean? This is who I am. And you know that as my friend, like I'm never going to let you sit there and talk bad about yourself without a very sharp interruption. And yes, it's not, that gets and annoying I'm never sometimes. Gonna be like, <laughs> I'm never going to be like, shut up. You're not that, you know, but I'm going to be like, let's reword this. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. And, and that's who I am. I'm that's who I am with my barista making my coffee in the morning. That's who I am with the homeless man on the corner. That's who I am with people I don't like very much even. You know, that's who I am with the like naughty kids at school who I'm working with, you know? Like I'm like, "You know what? I see you're kicking somebody. Let's talk about why we're kicking." <laughs> you right, know, like let's right. talk about why this isn't healthy and like they kicked you first. What? You don't need to be kicked. You know what? I don't want you kicking somebody else. I want you to come tell me so I can advocate for you because I think you're awesome. You know, this is just who I am. But I wasn't even able to express those things fully with other people until I was able to like see that in myself and express that myself. And I think there's actually a lot of humility to seeing yourself this way because if you think about like what pride is, it's kind of like known with being selfish and being kind of self-absorbed and things. But Nothing misery, is more misery self- is self-absorbing. <laughs> it's, 
literally nothing is more self-absorbing absorbed than sitting there talking shit about yourself. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. No, hundred percent. I mean, why do you think about yourself so much to like (laughs) even think, think all these terrible things, but that's who I, I mean, previously that was my inner voice. You know, art is, is of, of any sort, um, is a release for not only like your truth and, and sharing things with the world, but for, for understanding yourself. And so this is what I love about Instagram and, um, what it's done for the writing community is that ability to, as long as you don't delete your account to start scrolling at some point and go back and look, mm-hmm. cause you talked about how your tone and your style changed as you went through this journey and like your older stuff mm-hmm. was all very kind of morose and, Oh, I love this person, but they don't love me. And you know, mm-hmm. all of this and, and you know, it was beautiful and well done and it was good work, but you changed and your voice changed. And it's, I did. It must be yeah. fun to, I know I've done this myself. It must be fun to kind of like just scroll back and go, wow, like that's who I was. And that's still me right. and a part of me, but like, look how I've changed. And here's the, here's the chronological proof of <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, I don't really have it all on my page anymore, but I have it all. Sure. And I do look back and you know what I think when I do read it? Like, wow, how pretty this very sad girl wrote, (laughs) you know, like, wow, this is a very pretty, very sad, like, and I want to like talk to her. I'm like, Heidi, listen, if this guy's making you feel like this, let's talk about what it's time to do, you know? Like, why are we, why are we romanticizing this? But, um, that's where I was and it's not wrong because it was just, it it was just a point in my journey that's led me here. And looking back at where I am now, someday I'm going to be like, Oh, Heidi, you (laughs) thought you, you know, (laughs) but it's all just like a point in the journey. So I don't judge it at all. And that's why I did include, um, so much of that still. I, I still included so much of that unrequited because it was such an important part of my path. Right. And it's such, it's such a like relatable version of love for everybody. We've all had it, you know? Yeah. So the other thing that's in this book is a lot of artwork, uh, that you yourself, um, did and you know unfortunately in a podcast format we can't hold it up and show examples of it um so i would encourage everyone to go check out heidi's instagram and also get her book something like gravity where you will get the artwork as well but um yeah i just like there is an element of it's not a ton of pieces throughout but they're very well placed and i imagine that was more than just oh i need some art i might as well paint something like right. I imagine there was a lot of thought and like, no, this is part of the reading experience. Is that, is that the case? Yeah, It was actually, you know what, when I reach for a brush, it's always because there's something there that I just can't quite put in words. Mm. And it's like, really, I started painting because I got, um, writer's block and, <laughs> yeah, and I was just like, man, I've got to get this out on paper and I can't write it, you know? Um, so yeah, that's, so these, the art pieces that are included are specifically for, were done specifically for the book. Um, other than maybe, maybe one or two, I think the B art, um, I had done, uh, separately, but 
that correlated. But um, yeah, these are pieces where it was they they hold the same type of meaning and weight, but they were just in times when words were just not working out. Yeah. <laughs> well, I would love to hear one final poem before we end our conversation. Uh, but this has been wonderful. So this is called Soaring. I am unfolding rapidly like a paper airplane in strong winds, losing its creases as the currents rush around and through. And as I am deconstructed, I find myself floating, gliding on the invisible, drifting slowly as if gravity is paying special attention to me, teasing me in slow, gentle currents of weight lowering me to the ground to kiss its surface just to find me back at home in the sky at a height where wings are not required soaring thank you for listening you can find out more about heidi and her book something like gravity on her instagram heidi underscore the underscore untold you can find out more about good poetry on instagram and facebook until next time Happy reading.